0: Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. This is Michelle Gale. And I am here today with a friend and colleague, Cassandra Beaton. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, mind-body medicine researcher. She's a scientist at California Pacific Medical Center and president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. And so happy to have her here with us today. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. And we are talking today about um, a book you wrote back in 2006 called Mindful Motherhood, Practical Tools for Staying Sane During Pregnancy and Your Child's First Year. So we have quite a few listeners, I'm sure, who, who would like to stay sane <laughs> during pregnancy <laughs> and their child's first year. And so this, 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 this half hour is for them. I'd love to start uh, by having you share with our listeners what inspired you to, to write this book.
1: Well, I've been a mindfulness researcher for about 15, 18 years, and a lot of my training and background was in addictions and recovery from addictions. And so I was working at California Pacific Medical Center on developing and pilot testing mindfulness-based interventions for helping people deal with cravings and helping them deal with negative emotions and stay kind of awake during their um, attempts to quit drinking alcohol or quit, quitting smoking. And I got pregnant. And so at the same time that I was um, teaching these interventions and doing the development and doing a lot of research on it, I was noticing how much my mindfulness practice was helping during my pregnancy and my daughter's first year and so like a lot of researchers do i just turned my attention toward what was most interesting to me at the time and um, that was really the inspiration was just to um, develop something that would be easily accessible and kind of immediately helpful to people Um, almost kind of an introductory level mindfulness class for pregnant women and new moms and so i got started doing that
0: Wow. And um, how long had you been practicing up until that point? What did your practice look like?
1: Well, you know, I started meditating, I guess I was about 18 when I took a class in Buddhism in my freshman year in college. And it was really one of those wonderful moments where um, I hadn't grown up religious or spiritual per se. Um, And it was partly because I couldn't quite fit a lot of the... Uh, teachings and dogmas into what I felt like was true about life and when I took that class I was just hearing that kind of clear bell of truth through the whole thing and I was like that is what I think that's what I believe or that sounds right Mm. it sounds true and so I wanted to pursue it so I started meditating and studying a lot about eastern philosophy and um, buddhism Mm. hinduism um, yoga you know things like that and really was interested in it and at that point there wasn't a whole lot of research it was gosh i'm trying to think you know 88 and so probably back then there were you know i don't know 500 articles in the literature total about the health benefits of meditation and so i ended up going to the california institute of integral studies for graduate school which is a program in san francisco that I got my PhD there and it integrates Eastern philosophy, Western psychology, indigenous wisdom. So it was kind of the perfect place for me. Hmm. So throughout all those years, um, I practiced a lot of different um, practices, but meditation has always been sort of a mainstay for me, both a kind of a Vipassana meditation and then um, more recently what they call non-dual meditation or just a very open, accepting awareness
0: Mm. You know, um, I wonder if you had to share with someone listening who's pregnant right now or in their child's first year, what are some of the really practical tips that you you would offer to them?
1: Well, one of the main themes of mindfulness, as you know, is... Um, You know, historically in psychology, and especially the time that I was being trained, there was a lot of emphasis on cognitive psychology and behavioral psychology. And that had to do with changing the way you think or changing the way you engage with life, changing the situation you're in or um, altering things. And, you know, in my work with addictions and in other settings, I started to get the hint that. That wasn't always possible. It wasn't always possible for people to change their thinking patterns. It wasn't always possible for people to change their tendencies or their affinities or their cravings. And so that there needed to be a way for people to manage experience as it occurs without necessarily trying to change it. Mm. And so one of the overarching themes of mindful motherhood is that, especially during pregnancy, it's very difficult to change a lot of the things that are happening your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your hormones, your body changing, your identity changing, you know, finances changing, your relationship with your partner changing, everything is a little bit out of your control. So, mindfulness is actually a really great way to deal with situations where you can't necessarily do something at that moment to change what's happening. And so, that would be one of the first tenets of mindful motherhood is practicing the ability to be present with whatever is happening and have sort of a solid base within yourself while the kind of maelstrom is swirling around you.
0: Mm. And what do you say to women who, you know, that stirs up some fear? They're like, well, then how, you know, what if something is happening that's bad? Um, you know, Mm -hmm. do do I just be with it? Do I do nothing? Um, yeah, I mean it
1: depends on what you mean by bad. So, um one of the second tenets of mindfulness is that most of us go through life evaluating every circumstance that we're in as either good or bad or I like it or I don't like it. Yeah. And so, you know, that can be anything from, you know, waiting in too long of a line at the coffee shop to something very serious like a child's illness. And so what mindfulness does is instead of latching on to, I don't like this. I don't want this to be here. Um, like one of the phrases that my colleague, John Aston, who worked on the studies on mindful motherhood used to talk about was that the source of almost all human suffering is this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. The phrase, this shouldn't be happening. And it doesn't mean that there's some, you know, again, it's not cognitive psychology where you say, just reframe it. You know, it, maybe your child is ill for a reason. You know, it's not like an optimistic reframe of what's happening. It's just saying, this is what is. So I could either spend a lot of energy and time and thought and effort trying to resist it or be angry or upset or sad or scared about it. Or I could just sit with, I still may be, you know, scared, sad, annoyed. You know, one of the things that I think is. Um, something that uh, parents of young babies know and then you forget maybe later or you, you don't know all the time beforehand is just having your baby cry for an hour straight is a really, really difficult thing to walk through.
0: Yeah,
1: And a lot of suffering can be brought up when you're like, oh my God, what is happening? What is wrong? This shouldn't be happening. Am I doing something wrong? Is the baby sick? All of that energy could also be diverted into okay, one of the ways babies communicate that they're uncomfortable is crying. Mm -hmm. So the only thing I really know right now is that my baby's uncomfortable. So I'm gonna try the things that I know might be, you know, off, like feeding the baby or changing their diaper, bouncing them. But if none of those work, my job is really to sit and be present through whatever is happening and stay connected with the baby, stay connected with myself and my body. So one example would be rather than tensing up and bouncing really hard and you know I remember being on a plane once I think this example is in the book about a baby crying very loudly on a plane which we've all experienced not yeah. pleasant yeah especially if you're the mom and you know listening to the baby increase their volume and listening to the mom increase their tension and volume and being like you know it's okay shush 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 yeah. this is not something that's going to be super calming to the baby So instead, it's listening to the sound of the crying, recognizing that it simply is. It's not really bad or good in and of itself. It's kind of, it's a communication. And then getting very grounded and breathing, paying attention to your breathing, paying attention to your body sensations, paying attention to the baby's body sensations, and really walking through it. And that seems to be more effective it may not even help the baby stop crying sooner, but it is a completely different experience for both you and the baby. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's that's really beautiful. So more of what you share with them is to um, be with it as it is. That doesn't mean you're not going to make any effort, or you know, um, w- w- oh, there's a willingness to to do whatever is needed in the moment by being with the moment.
1: Absolutely. And from that place of meeting it as it is or acceptance, um, somebody can actually take wise action. And so it's not a passive stance. It's not like a defeated stance. It's not throwing your arms up in the air and saying, well, there's nothing I can do about this anyway, so I might as well just chill. That's not what it is. It's actually a very active stance of breathing, meeting it, being with it, maintaining connection with the baby, maintaining your connection with your own values and the kinds of actions that you want to take instead of the actions that you're being driven to take by fear or insecurity or programming or you know old conditioning.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Anything else you wanted to add around um, just kind of practical practical things? you'd like to share? Well, you
1: know, certainly I think that um, the practices of mindfulness in general are great. Um, When all else fails, bring your attention to your breathing and do that for a period of time. Bring your attention to your body sensations, noting them one by one. Um, When things get really, really rough, when you're just feeling completely pushed to the wall and not good at all. You can bring your attention to the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet and almost feel as though you're breathing through those, which is a very grounding feeling. Mm. Um, And I think it really is a practice. So wonderful to practice it during your pregnancy before the baby comes, which um, not only has emotion regulation effects for you or stress reduction effects for you, but it may even change the physiology of your body in a way that makes it more optimal. Um, and so if you can practice a lot while you're pregnant, then when the baby comes, you have that practice under your belt. And when kind of the, everything hits the fan, you've got that thing that you've been able to do for a long time that you can return to as sort of a refuge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. And, um, you know, there's so much out there for, for parents to access or pregnant uh, mamas to access, um to be able to practice and there's just so many resources there's um you know insight timer and headspace and do you have any favorites that you like to refer um, moms to yeah i actually
1: use insight timer myself and i just love it i think it's um, wonderful i use it every morning and i also have um five mindful motherhood meditations that are on insight timer so you can look those up um, and use those
0: anytime really Mm, and they could just look it up under your name
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's under my name, Cassandra Vieton, or Mindful Motherhood. Great. Um, I think there's, maybe there's three to five meditations there. Right. Um, and then, um, let's see, there was one that was put out recently by, hmm, I can't recall, it's, I'll get back to you and you can post it online for people. But um, it's another one that is kind of a suite of different kinds of meditations for all kinds of different settings.
0: So, mm, so great why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, about the research, um, that kind of led up to this, this book?
1: Well, yeah, when I first started, as I said, there weren't that many programs out there. Um, there were a few programs that existed for mindful childbirth and mindful parenting. Um, Nancy Bardicke has a fantastic program called mindfulness based childbirth and parenting preparation. Wow. Um, and then there were a few other programs through different traditions and um i love all of those programs and also was really inspired by mbsr and mbct mindfulness-based cognitive therapy and initially i really wanted to address um pregnant women who were really high stress or had a history of depression or anxiety and so we developed an intervention that pulled some of the best from mbct and mbsr and kind of scaled it down to a very, very introductory level. And even though MBSR and MBCT and mindfulness-based childbirth and parenting are now provided in lots and lots of hospitals, I wanted an even more one-on-one version. And so we created a program that instead of being three hours a week was about one and a half hours a week and didn't have the day long and had um, guided meditations that people could use at home. And so we developed a provisional program we tested it in five different groups of pregnant women and we refined it over time um, listening to their feedback what worked for them and what didn't work for them and then at the end of that we did a study where we randomized pregnant women to two different groups one was people who got the intervention and one didn't and saw that the people who got the intervention had reduced negative emotion reduced stress and that those um or actually reduced anxiety and that those changes, um, after the baby was born were retained by about half. So it really did seem to reduce people's, um, experience of those things or the suffering associated with those things. And, um, so that was wonderful. And then wrote the book on it and created an online course for women and who are pregnant or new moms and also for professionals who work with them.
0: Wow. Wow. Wonderful. And um, what did you notice? I, did you do this? You did this in person for a while. Yeah. Was it just through the research or were you running groups through the training that ultimately became We the did. Online? I ran all the groups.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I ran all the groups um, with a partner, Giana Gowan, who was someone who developed the yoga series for the book. And so she had developed a set of 20 poses that were specially made for pregnant women just for this program. And so I ran all of the groups then, and then for the trial, and then since then, we've done some training with other people who run programs and focused also on that online course and the professional training that people can do online.
0: Mm, I wonder, what are some of, you know, can you remember um, the, the ahas or the lessons you learned from, from running those groups? Like what, did, what, what was in the room?
1: Well, I think what was really interesting to me at first was that it took about, so it's an eight session course, and just like some of the other mindfulness programs that are out there. And I really got a deep understanding of why it was eight sessions because it was really around session four or five where people would come in and have a light bulb come on. So in the early sessions, people would come in and say, Look, you know, I tried the mindfulness thing and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Well, what would working look like? And they would say, well, I didn't feel any better at all. You know, I still felt stressed. I still felt angry. So, Uh, you know, they were really like, hey, I wanted to change how I felt. And so I would say, oh, well, did you notice that you were feeling angry and sad? And they would be like, well, yeah. And I said, okay, that noticing is the mindfulness. It's the little bit of space you get between your awareness and the ever-changing contents of your awareness. And so after about four or five sessions, a lot of the women would come in and they'd be like, I think I got it. You know, I was still mad or I was still sad, but I wasn't adding that extra layer of suffering on top of it. Mm. And so that was really cool. Um, It was also really wonderful to see because we did some of our groups um, for a later study with um, UC San Francisco, where we were working with inner city, extremely high stress, um, overweight and obese pregnant women. And we adapted the Mindful Motherhood program for that study. And so these were... um, you know, very, very high stress women facing a huge amount of challenges in their life. And I was a little bit like, gosh, you know, is it going to be hard to get this across in some way? And it really wasn't. You know, I think this is a basic human skill that at least in our Western culture, we haven't put as much value on the skill of being able to remain present and connected during times of stress. We've put a lot of emphasis on getting rid of the stress or reducing it or making it different. And so once people really get that, they can allow that ever-changing stream of experience that goes through you on a daily basis of, you know, I like this, I don't like this, I'm stressed, I feel better now. You know, instead of trying to control that, once people let go of that control or that attempt to resist or make something different, and they meet things how they are, there's this paradoxical shift where things feel different, even though you weren't trying to make them different.
0: Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when I think of, you know, I think of my first pregnancy, you know, 15 years ago-ish, um, I just remember, you know, it was before I was practicing regularly. And and I definitely remember just so much worry. And, you know, the books that were given to me at the time were just everything that could possibly go wrong, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, I after my first pregnancy, I burned you know, what to expect when you're expecting. That, book, just, that <laughs> right, book, right? That book had me just like you know, oh, at the roof, you know, anxiety, like filled with anxiety. And so, um, you know, I think that it's, and still, by the way, one of the best selling books. You know, I think it's the
1: number it? two best selling book on Amazon, like forever. Because ah. everybody is really worried about what's going to happen. And it tells you this is what you can expect. Yes. And, you know, that's pretty attractive. But I think one of the things we do is we flood women with a lot of information about how to feed and how to, breast, you know, how to breastfeed or feed from a bottle, how to clothe, how to do all the information and the content about what to do. And we neglect a little bit um, how you can be during pregnancy and as an early mom and, and even how you can make those decisions. You know, you and I live in a bubble world where, you know, it's not just how, whether or not you put socks on them, it's whether or not you put organic, you know, free range socks on them. You know, so (laughs) when people are like flooded with that kind of level of you need to be perfect as a mom, um, it's actually really, really helpful to be, to help to understand you, you're you not going to be perfect. Things aren't going to be perfect, but there is a way of being through it that can keep you in alignment with your both your short-term and your long-term goals and values ab- about being the kind of parent you want to be, knowing that you're going to slip up at times and even being able to walk through those moments where you really do something that you wish you hadn't done. Um, so that's, that's what I love about your work is, you know, it is a messy world. And the question is like one of the examples we use in the program is, um, you know, it's sort of like waves of the ocean coming in. So you've got all these waves coming in. Some of them are huge. Some of them are little. And what you can do is try to make the ocean calm, but it usually doesn't work. In fact, it almost, it never works really to make the ocean calm. So instead, this is a little bit like learning to surf.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think I've heard a quote from John Kabat-Zinn something like that. Like you can't you can't um control the waves, but you can learn how to surf. Something exactly. like that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 Or another way of saying it is if you think about an obstacle course, you know, a lot of us spend a lot of time and energy trying to clear the obstacles. Yeah. Off the course, and this is a little bit more like becoming more nimble and agile because the obstacles are going to come. I remember when I first worked with the publisher on the book and they talked about the title and they, of course, wanted great marketing and they wanted to call it, you know, Calm Mom. And Mm. I just was like, you know, I know that's going to sell more books, but it's not true. I can't, you know, it's not honest. This program is not going to make you a more calm mom, a more aware, present, and connected mom.
0: Yeah, yeah. And being calm may be part of that. And, um, and we can't expect to be calm all the time. I mean, it's just this unrealistic mm-hmm. expectation we have um, of ourselves, uh, you know, of the human condition, but certainly where mindfulness is concerned, um, you know, that's something I often have to explain because especially when teaching it in education, you know, the teachers really like that the kids tend to get more calm and then that becomes the mm-hmm. goal, right? And I've had a lot of women in my groups who... You know that's kind of the intent they came because they feel like this is going to make them more calm, and it might do that. Uh, but we also right. just as mindful of our anxiety and our worry and our fear, um, so we can be with it in a different way. In like you're explaining. Yeah, I mean, I remember
1: hearing from Zindel Siegel, who developed mindfulness-based cognitive therapy for depressed people, and the way he explained it was that a patient came up to him uh, after a class and. He said, well, she said, I just loved it. And he said, well, do you feel less depressed? And she said, oh, no, I don't feel less depressed. I just feel less miserable about being depressed.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's it. That is it. So, you know, you can't help that you have, you know, your lower back is hurting when you're pregnant and you have, you know, acid reflux and, you know, things are uncomfortable, right, sometimes in pregnancy. Yeah. It's, it's the stories that we put around around those things, Yeah. Right, right. It's that second layer of um,
1: misery that we put on top of the original thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've talked a lot about the difficult parts of it. The other thing that's wonderful about practicing mindfulness during pregnancy in your child's first year is the antidote, which is really being able to embrace and savor completely those beautiful moments. And um, for many women, not for all, but for many women, that couple of years is some of the most ecstatic, blissful, deeply loving, profound moments of their entire lives. And yeah. so to be able to, you know, sit with your baby nursing or feeding or, you know, be swinging them in a swing or just walking down the street or their little fluffy heads, you know, all mm-hmm. of those moments are really so um, deeply beautiful and if we can use the same amount of mindfulness that we use for a difficult situation with those situations to really really bring those in and experience them fully because that's the lovely part of being a parent is to be able to draw on those times when you're facing more difficult times
0: yeah i'm so glad you brought that in because we can be mindful of our joy <laughs> just as much as our stress and And I agree. I mean, I remember when my first son was born, both of my sons, you know, I just hunkered down and those first few months, it was just just this stillness, you know, and this this being with them and this... um, you know, it's hard to even explain, you know, those, those, those times it's, you know, I have, now my kids are older now, but I have a similar experience, albeit in a different way with my animals, um, or an animal that I encounter like a horse, right. Or something that's, you know, just, just you, you stop and pause and look into their eyes. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment where time stops a little bit. And, um, and there's so much of, so much of that, um when when you have little ones and when you're pregnant, um if you tap into it, it's, it's beautiful. thank you. yeah, we often just
1: race past that. You know, um I you know, Rick Hansen is a friend of both of ours. And he, in his book, Buddha's Brain, talks about um that we're like Teflon for good experiences and Velcro for negative ones. <laughs> yeah, And so it's not only, you know, reducing some of that velcro for the negative experiences, but also, you know br- making some of those positive experiences a little more sticky.
0: Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, we're running out of time. I can't believe it. We, we just kind of zipped by. So I want to make sure I leave um, just a minute or two for you to be able to share how people can connect with you, maybe your website, um, uh, the online class. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about, about how they can uh, work with you.
1: Sure. Well, you can reach me at noetic.org. That's the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where I do most of my work. And you can also go to either noetic.org or mindfulmotherhood.org to sign up for the online course, which is um, one of the courses is for pregnant women themselves and new moms. And the other is for professionals who work with pregnant women who would like to be able to facilitate mindful motherhood or bring mindful motherhood into the work they already do. Um, You can buy the book, Mindful Motherhood, at your local independent bookseller or Amazon, and yeah, I'd love to hear from people, hear how it's affecting their lives. And um, I think that the work you're doing and the work that other people in this arena are doing is just wonderful. It's you know, way back when I heard this thing about you know we don't we we make people get a driver's license to be able to drive a car, but we don't have anything for people who are having babies. And so just to really understand that, you know, having a baby is like running a marathon and it requires almost as much training. And that training can be this amazing opportunity to get your body, mind, spirit complex into great shape before you have your baby and you know you asked about some of the insights from uh, teaching the classes and I mentioned that at the fourth or fifth week the light bulb started to come on and often around the sixth seventh or eighth week people would come in and they would say oh my gosh this practice isn't just for my pregnancy and parenting this is for life this is for my how I work with my partner and how I work with my job and so really taking the opportunity during pregnancy and early motherhood to learn mindfulness in a way that's not just going to affect you as a parent, but also you as a great partner, um, in the workplace, um, you know, throughout all the arenas of your life.
0: Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Yeah. And we're going to sign off. Um, until next time, thank you for joining us and listening in. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and give us some stars in a favorable review at iTunes.